first reading is taken from St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, starting at verse 4. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way, in all your speaking and in all your knowledge, because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day our Lord Jesus Christ, God who has called you into his fellowship with his son Jesus Christ our Lord, is faithful. Hear the gospel of our Lord according to St. Mark. Chapter 13, starting on verse 24. But in those days following that distress... The sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, men will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. No one knows about that day, or our, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight, or when the cock crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Loving Father, as I speak, may your light shine brightly in our hearts and minds and bring us to truth and to grace that we might watch and wait for you. Amen. Well, it's a powerful passage, isn't it? That passage from Mark's Gospel, full of imagery and of warning. 
And it follows, if you read through in the early part of that chapter, it follows an equally powerful passage which seems to point to the destruction of Jerusalem and the Jerusalem temple which happened in AD 70. Yet here in verse 24, the focus seems to turn not to the destruction of Jerusalem but to the end of history. It's as though we're surveying a series of mountain peaks. And the most immediate peak is the destruction of Jerusalem. And as you come here today, you may want to add a series of other peaks. Historical events which have shifted empires and nations. And now we lift our eyes to the ultimate peak. The final peak which stretches ahead of us. That peak is the second coming of Christ. And with it comes a shaking of the universe, a divine action which disturbs the very basis of the universe, the sky and the stars. We have a picture of the Son of Man gathering the chosen ones from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. It's a picture that's rooted in Old Testament imagery. And it draws mainly from Daniel 7 where Daniel receives a vision of four kingdoms represented by four beasts, and there comes one like a son of man coming on the clouds of heaven, led into the presence of the Ancient of Days, to whom all authority, all glory and sovereign power is given, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, a kingdom that will never be destroyed." So to those who have eyes to see, this final mountain peak is great news. Whatever we're experiencing, however scattered we are, however broken we are, however we may be being treated, the good news of this mountain peak is that God will gather us up in the end. It may be that we struggle to see that mountain peak right now. It's distant and it's sometimes shaded or blocked by the mountains that are in front of us. But at the end of this journey, we will see from that vantage point how each of these mountains before us shape us and form us and ready us for this final climactic event. So what are we to do? Well, we're called to watch. Just as we read the signs of nature, the budding on the fig tree in verse 28, so we must learn to read the spiritual signs of the times too. How do we do this? Well, we keep our eyes on culture, of course. But first and foremost, we read Scripture. Because while nature and kingdoms and heaven and earth will pass away, the words of Jesus will not. Ordinary, everyday things have eternal significance if only we have eyes to see. Everything that happens to us is projected onto the big screen of eternity. 
The destruction of Jerusalem points forward to and is a snapshot of the final mountain of the return of Christ. The troubles I face today, however slight or however great, the people I walk alongside, the encouraging word, the welcoming handshake, the kindness that I speak, these are ordinary things that have eternal significance. We're becoming what we eternally shall be. That's why these things matter. Everything we do and experience has a double reference now and for eternity. We're called to live now in the light of eternity. That's what Advent is about. Waiting, watching for the coming of Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, as a baby 2,000 years ago. In some ways, an ordinary event which has impact and significance in eternity. And that's where our passage uh, in Corinthians comes in. In this little church community with so much division, questions about leadership, sexuality, marriage and lawsuits, food sacrificed to idols, spiritual ecstasies, spiritual gifts, order in worship, questions over the resurrection of the dead. They had everything being thrown at them. And here at the start of this book, at the start of this letter, Paul reminds them, firstly, that God is faithful. He will do it. And secondly, he prays that they will be kept strong to the end as they wait for the day of Christ's return. You see, this letter to the Corinthians is all about mountains. As we travel through it, we can look at each mountain, each hill in turn, and ask ourselves difficult questions about how we will ever tackle that hill. Or, as Paul suggests, we can deal with those mountains but keep our eyes on the final mountain. Seek to place ourselves there before we meet it on our path and then we will understand how to view these other hills and valleys and mountains. But the temptation of speaking of the Son of Man coming on the clouds, of speaking, of watching and of reading the spiritual signs of the times is that we end up worrying about times and dates. And Mark in verses 32 to 34 reminds us that even the sun, sun does not know the day nor the hour, so we need to be ready. The gatekeeper's job in the house is to stay awake and to watch. So how are you being alert this Advent? What are you watching for? How are you praying the Gospel reading and the Corinthian passage, this Advent season invites us to take our eyes from our personal mountains and set our eyes on our destination. The day when Christ returns, coming in clouds with great power and glory, when he gathers his elect, 
many of us limping and hobbling, having made our way up and down multiple mountains. And we're invited to set our eyes on that final mountain, to watch and wait, knowing that he who came once will come again to lead us home. I found a poem this week from John Henry Newman. I'm going to read it to you. It's called Watching for Christ. They watch for Christ, who are sensitive, eager, apprehensive in mind, who are awake, alive, quick-sighted, zealous in honoring him, who look for him in all that happens, and who would not be surprised, who would not be over-agitated or overwhelmed if they found that he was coming at once. This, then, is to watch. To be detached from what is present and to live in what is unseen. To live in the thought of Christ as he came once and as he will come again. To desire his second coming from our affectionate and grateful remembrance of his first. We watch and we wait. Amen.